This is Old Black Magic and the Millennial. I'm Brian Babylon, Old Black Magic. And I'm Molly Adams, the Millennial of Old Black Magic and the Millennial. (laughs) Well, Molly, let's get straight into it. This episode is about fucking up. Not getting fucked up, but fucking up. And everybody does it. Let's jump right into it. We well, hold on, one of hold our... on. Not Jesus. What? Well, Jesus... Didn't Jesus like? No, he teach did. Lessons by making mistakes. No, 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 bro. He would, <laughs> he would show you where you fucked up. But I would say the only, the only thing Jesus might have fucked up in was picking Judas as that twelfth disciple. Yes, running with a bad crowd. But I think he knew that, and he knew how it was going to unfold, bro. And he was like, just let it ride. Speaking of Jesus, actually, no, good segue. Mm-hmm. One of our former interns, one of our best former interns, Joe Sondheim, Sweetest Calvin College boy. graduate. Now, Calvin College is a church school, right? Brian, you always ask questions that I don't know the answers to that are off script that, ugh, I know I know a lot of things. Anyhow. I mean, you're so smart, millennial. All right, okay. go ahead. What a jerk. Joe Sondheim was an exemplary intern until one of his last days on the job. And we wanted to straighten out what happened that day with him. So I was thoroughly enjoying the nightlife out there. And unfortunately, I chose to go out pretty hard in the paint on the Thursday right before the Friday that I had like my final review exam or whatever. And don't forget, Joe, you had your on-air shift. You're going to be Molly for the day. And you had your final review with HR and your instructor. Oh, that's right. I know. A big day. So my friend Megan and I wound up going to this bar. I can't remember the name of it, but it was out by DePaul University. At the time, I was really into J. Crew pants. So I was wearing like red pants with Marlins on them and kind of all that like preppy shit. And I fit right in. Like everybody looked like that. And they were having a beer pong tournament. And I suck at beer pong. But that night, I remember just being like, fire. Like I was on it. People were buying us shots. They were buying us like, all the shots you kind of only drink or you only have, you know, between the ages of 21 or 22. Scorpion stinger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the blowjob shot. I don't know what that is. It's delicious. So we just kept winning these beer pong games. I even was dancing and I stole the band's tambourine off the stage. And the bouncer got so pissed that he kicked me out. But then we were in the semifinals. So I got let back in. I'm pretty sure we lost. But I was just 21, white girl wasted, as they say. And so... uh, Joe, was that the only spot that you went to that night? You you mean to tell me all this was after one spot? Yeah, it it was. But that's because we were an attorney, Brian. And, And, you know, it was very, very cheap. So very affordable on my public radio intern salary. So Okay, was, go ahead. I get know, it. Like I it was it. It, it met the requirements there. But um you guys know like what browned out is? 
you know, like the like after the bomb hits in the in the movie, and you just kind of like come in and out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. basically, I just rode kind of the magical red line and forgot my key. I don't think I knew where like my wallet was, but the they let me in and I went to bed. I didn't even think about the next morning. Like, that's how irresponsible I was. Damn! So, the next thing I remember is my roommate at the time just busting into my room and just being like, dude, everyone is calling you. We thought you were dead. You missed everything. And then I just got that, like, oh, no. I blew it. Joe, what time did you wake up? Around. I want to say that it was 10, but I'm pretty sure it was 11.30. <laughs> I want to say 10, but it was 11.30. Yeah. That's and the late, show, bro. I know. Yeah, it was. And the show was the like... The show's over, over at 10. I know. So I raced to the studio, raced to the studio. But, of course, since I was like four and a half hours late, Everyone had left except a very mad Brian. So even though there are kind of like some holes in the story of what I remember, I do remember what Brian said to me. You were like, Joe, Joe, you know that you are a piece of gay bait, and I thought that you were lying in a gay ditch somewhere. (laughs) Did he he say a gay ditch? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was my emotions. I was so. It's like when your child is like missing at the mall and you just scream at them because you're so mad but happy that they're okay. And I was just mad. So let's, let's cinematically roll this back. That morning, I was in California. Yeah, you woke up late too. We're both guilty of that. Well, I was on vacation getting paid. I had a full-time job. What I got was multiple missed phone calls from Brian, so I don't know if he finally connected or I called him back, but the first words out of Brian's mouth, the Joe, are, Molly, does Joe do gay things? What? Does Joe do gay things? No, this is what I said, Molly. I was like, Molly, straight up and down. Be honest. No bullshit. You're like, you're like <laughs> what? Wait. But how did you jump from, like, me missing a meeting to immediately, like, well, that's what a gay guy would do? No, no. Going back to what you said, me thinking you were in a gay ditch, you would prance in to the office, and you were like, oh, I was walking down Halstead, and these guys just kept calling me and calling me. So you gave this character of the small-town boy from Grand Rapids in the big city, and you don't know why— Men are hitting on a six foot three, gorgeous, Adonis looking boy who has tight blazers and loud pants on. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God. And you would tell us stories after story like, Joe, stop doing gay things. Stop teasing gay guys with gay bait. Hmm. Retrospect, that actually does make a little sense. What I sussed out was that Brian's panicked father-like story that he had written in since he hadn't heard anything from you in four and a half hours 
was that you had ended up at a gay club. You had just thought everybody was so friendly and nice that you drank some drugs. Yep. And then you were like kidnapped and sold into sex slavery somehow. Dude, I was behind that mixing board for like two hours terrified and furious. Like, first, I was mad that this motherfucker missed the show. Just straight up, no call, no show. You're not answering your phone. It's going straight to voicemail. My head is spinning. So, I say... The only answer. The only thing is, like, clearly what happened, Joe got mickeyed at some place, being so friendly and nice and beautiful, and some old, creepy bear, chubby bear, like, oh, yeah. On the PC police homophobia is wrong but this is a legitimate time where where you could say yeah you were homo i was homophobic i was terrified of gay i things. would say that that actually kind of fits the definition of homophobia that like that does. came That's up with some like horrible gay plot instead you're of anti-gay, like anti-gay and your story doesn't involve your beautiful beautiful six foot two a naive Grand Rapids, Michigan intern, six foot three, six foot three muscles, tight J. Crew pants that are colorful, them good looks, missing, and he loves adventure and wander and explore things. If you don't tell me that story, then you're a jerk. But if you say that story, like, okay, that's that's homophobic. Why couldn't I be like mugged or something, you know, or like get my or get stabbed or something kind of. You know, I know, I know, I know. In my in my mind, heterosexual, yeah, a real macho, a real more much more macho situation. And I thought that, and then my thinking was, if he just got mugged or stabbed or some shit, he would have his ID, and they would have ID'd him. It was no nothing. You went to sex trafficking, and if anybody were going to sex traffic Joe, it would be a gay cabal. You you were in a you were in a cage with a whole bunch of other blonde boys. But you bounced back, baby. How did you recover, Joe Sondheim? I apologized profusely, obviously, but there were some good deeds tied in. They didn't happen after that, but if you remember, Brian, I think two weeks before that, you asked me to move like a bunch of mattresses around in Bronzeville. I feel like in my mind, maybe I justified that a little bit like, oh, well, I probably got at least a little brownie points that offset the anger. No, this is what happened. We were we like you. You were cool. You weren't a whack intern. It was our fault for getting too close to you because you were too cool. Because a lot of interns are horrible and we don't ever talk to them. But we would hang out, have coffees. You and Molly would go away and have your little time without me. And that made me also think that you were telling her things about your life and she would like no this is me and joe and she would set it up joe she tried to set a divide us that's true i feel like molly would try to pit me against you sometimes you know <laughs> i always thought it was like a jealousy thing look look joe there's there's only room for one beautiful white millennial in brian babylon's life it's me <laughs> and i don't want anybody else encroaching on my territory <laughs> this worked out perfectly. Well, it's good talking to you, Joe. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was fun. That was funny. Yeah, thanks for talking with us, Joe. That was funny. So that was Joe Sondheim, our uh, golden boy, blonde angel from Calvin College, great intern. 
And one thing I liked about Joe, he he finally, he passed my intern test the first. He was one of the first to pass my intern test. And a lot of, of our old interns always post and make jokes about how I like my coffee. And if you didn't get it right, I would berate I've you. I've never seen an old intern of ours post any jokes, Dad. Oh, Joe, Joe Sondheim posted a joke about that. Uh, what's her name? Jillian McGee posted about that saying, okay. oh, she was at Star. She was at the Seven uh, Eleven and saw two hazelnut creamers and got rem. She reminisced and posted about them. ordering coffee. Yes, for the perfectly. brand perfectly. Because if you can't get some Pass. coffee right, you can't get your life right. Yeah, Joe Joe Sondheim has gone on to become a productive member of society. So now he uh he's actually not well. We had some other bad interns. People, that's like that being an intern's a place to fuck up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we had you can, bad. You can interns. fuck up when you're an intern. You can fuck up, and and I think sometimes what happens, uh, like in the case of Kimmy, very smart uh, girl from uh, Jamaican heritage, and she from Jamaica. From Jamaica, she pulled an ultimate fuck up of just a no call, no show when she was supposed to be on the radio. Oh, whoa! And she just yes. she came in, and I was like, Kimmy, what the fuck is going on? She's like, I know, I know. She was supposed to fill in like a significant she was amount supposed, of time. She was supposed to be you. She was supposed to fill in for so you. So it was like, not only was it like an opportunity, but it was also a privilege. A privilege to a be pr- on privilege. air. You're going to be doing the Molly's job. And she was out drinking and overslept. And I said to her, and you saw me, I was like, Kimmy, do you want me to call your parents and tell them that you're here squandering <laughs> opportunities? Squandering <laughs> opportunities here in Chicago? And I, I kind of put a little, I put a little island, island thing on it. And do you, yeah, no, do you remember her, I had do you remember her heard, face? No, no, no. I, I had always heard that, like, I mean, a lot of parents are strict, but I've always heard that, like, Caribbean parents are pretty strict. And that's when I, like, saw it in action. Did you see her face on how terrified she was? She was like, please, please don't call my parents. Brian, please, please don't call my parents. <laughs> and I like that, like, she was so scared that she, like, thought that you would somehow get her parents' phone number. Yeah. That's how scared she was. Like, well, instead of being like, um. Well, because she knows I'm crazy. I'll find it. I don't care. I'll find your number <laughs> and call your parents and to let them know you're squandering opportunities here. Oh, You'll man. be floating under the sea if you do it one more time. This is all really also an opportunity to talk about the fact that even though he wasn't our intern, someone who interned in the building yeah. while we were at our previous job was in the news. The person she's talking about, Molly Adams, is talking about Juan Thompson, the infamous now Juan Thompson in the... um. I will call this the journalistic world. He wasn't our, I guess, official intern. But anytime there was a black person in that building, they were my intern. Yeah, you would as as you should. As I should as as the Million Man March motto that you that uh you would say to Farrakhan, Farrakhan, did you help your brother and sister with an internship when they came through your company? And, and you're predominantly white. And your media white, company. lily white company that you uh, sheltered them under your wings. And I did that to every black intern at Chicago Public Media, aka WBZ. And Juan Thompson was one of those individuals. If you don't recognize his name, or maybe you recognize his name as like Hunter Thompson's son, um, he's not Hunter S. Thompson's son. 
He was arrested for allegedly making bomb threats to JCCs. Uh, at least eight of them is what the FBI said. Now, JCC is a Jewish community center. Yes. Okay. I, I kind of. We're like that. old people. Like I went to preschool at a JCC. That's like their primary function. They do a lot of community preschool that a lot of people go to. Oh, and that helps the government mm-hmm. keep costs down. Great. If I didn't know this person, like what a field day I would have had with analyzing this story. And and it got, Molly, it got so bad when I was in Columbia, Missouri, Columbia, Missouri, which is not even St. Louis. I'm in my hotel getting ready to go to this event, getting dressed. And I see Juan Thompson's name underneath this footage of just graves being smashed. So they're trying to put this whole anti-Semitic anti-Trump oh, wave. Like he was smashing graves like in he was, Missouri, Like he was too? smashing the graves. I'm like, now this is some bullshit. This nigga did not smash no graves. He got caught up with some pussy. It got out of hand. And okay. That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, hey. I, I mean, I, no, I mean. I don't think Juan Thompson is anti-Semitic. I think he just got caught up in a girl and she got out of hand. Well, yeah, bad, bad, bad decision making. But it made me realize how, like, yeah, I would have had a field day with this. And again, I guess, like, a realization that I I try to keep in my name is, is that, like, there are real human beings behind news stories. Yeah. And, like, how much when you start breaking down that symbolism of, like, oh, it was a black man from Missouri who was making these JCC phone calls, which, first of all, not even 10% of them, like, a very small amount. And, like, that is, of course, the first person the FBI arrests. Is a black man who was just. Yes. Love who just liked a girl and it yeah, got out he, of hand. He, he allegedly did it to get revenge on a former girlfriend. And um, and I don't know how that Juan. Man. I don't know how you start. What you do, Juan, is start fucking a girl who's hotter. That's what makes girls mad. <sighs> Being anti-Semitic uh. doesn't help. <laughs> Dummy. <sighs> Uh, yeah, I mean, and it made me think how, like, you come up with, like, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of justifications for why people do these things that are, you know, I have such a bias, I realized, and my bias is that, like, I'm a, I have a bleeding heart, like, I just believe in humanity. Oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> you, believe, you believe in humanity like, and PR stunts, that's what you believe in. I'm just like, people are like really good and they're really trying and every human has value. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> like, No, they do. They do. And I realize that that's, well, I believe they do, but I, I believe that that's kind of empirically true. And I realize that it's not for some people. So, I mean, do, but do you think in this competitive world, Molly, if you have an internship, that's your time to fuck up or you can't fuck up because that's your only chance to maybe get a job? I mean, fuck up. I think that here's the thing about fucking up and going from like, you know, a basic intern fuck up of oversleeping to like a life fuck up of like really uh, going overboard with a vengeance plan well, plus some other things that I won't speculate on. Well, let's say this. But, Juan Thompson already had fucked up when he got caught up in a national plagiarizing scandal yeah and that is also like i I, you like it makes me think of um like there's a scale to fucking up right of of how of what the consequences are going to be and i don't think you're always aware of what the like consequences can be unforeseen sometimes of of a lot of things well so i think 
you know, like like those studies about how um, putting higher sentencing on gun, like on a like shooting somebody or a gun charge Mm -hmm. doesn't actually prevent crime because people are not thinking about this like seven year minimum that they might be getting. Right. It's just not in your thought process of I'm going to fucking kill that person. No. Yeah. Vengeance is, is, is in your mind. What's the line between like a systemic problem and like your personal responsibility? Like, like this is kind of a therapy question. Like when you fuck up, how much, like, do you blame others? Do you blame yourself? And like, does blaming others have any legitimacy to it? Because one of the things Juan said that I sort of believe when he got caught up in that plagiarizing thing was like being let down by your editors. Like he made up a source. No, Juan, no. Editors, editors no. let people like, like editors let shit fly. Like sometimes there, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it applies to his case, but like sometimes journalists, writers go down because their papers or their publishers whatever don't support them well you know that's a good point because i I don't know if he talked about it uh our our buddy hannibal burris who had his had a robbery happen to him and he kind of just posted about it on twitter and i guess a journal uh, a reporter yeah i wanted to i wanted to look this up hold on you mentioned this to me a few days ago. yeah a reporter just kind of was like happy to see his twitter feed Asked him for an interview. He said no. Two hours later, there's an article about out about Hannibal and what happened, and it was totally wrong. Now, did this chick get Juan Thompson? Hell no. And that's what I'm going to put. Yeah. I'm going to put a little racial sprinkle on this because that's what we do here at Old Black Magic and the Millennial. It's like if you make a mistake, your mistakes are different by who you are. Case yes. in point, when uh, Constance Wu my friend from uh, Fresh Off the Boat, very funny mm-hmm. show, she put out there, like, are we seriously going to let Casey Affleck get away with these sexual allegations that came out with him? And then mm-hmm. the guy who made uh, Nate Parker is done. Uh, well, you know what Nate Parker's case reminded me, though? It's like it's people's split thinking on, like, a civil settlement versus, like, a criminal case. Yeah. So even though he was found not guilty in a criminal case, like it went to a criminal case, there were also transcripts of those phone calls that I don't, if you read them, they're like upsetting. But I agree. Casey Affleck is like Ben's little brother and it tells a story and he's such a nice guy and it was out of court. So they were just allegations. And Nate Parker's nose is broad and he looks like a criminal. <laughs> Let's be yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's true. I also think I also kind of think like black women are some of the most principled people in society, and they were like, oh, "We're not supporting this." They weren't supporting. And they Nate don't support Parker. Casey Affleck either. Like they're well, not going to Casey Affleck movies. But the fact that black women turned on Nate Parker, and even if they went after Casey Affleck, who cares? Who cares if some black women get mad at a white man? Yeah, exactly. And that's what and happened with and that's what happened with know, Bill Cosby. Once are bl- complicit in everything. Yeah, <laughs> when black when black women turned on Bill Cosby, that's when he went down. No, no, Bill Cosby went down when the white press turned on him. Finally, too. All right, all right. I'm gonna be honest with you, Molly as far as personal accountability goes this is for me 
and this goes into relationships if i'm dating someone which is whatever to even even at work even even where we worked at in that environment wasn't competitive but you still had to have your you still were fighting battles all the time and how i would operate is is if i was in front of judge mathis on a tv court show in every situation if i was wrong on something I'm always going to find the thing that I did wrong first and examine it. I'm not stupid. I know what, you know, you said this and you didn't do this, or I said I would do something and I didn't do it. You can't escape that. And I think, mm-hmm. I think for me, just the facts, ma'am. Yeah, no, yeah. Just the facts, because it's like, oh, this is what happened. There are some great areas, but this is what I did. This or this is what I didn't do. And let's start from there. You know, even if, because you sound so calm and rational right now. And this is how I am. But what happens is I get a, what happens is I will give you the facts and a lesser person, a person of lesser. I don't know how to say this. Not lesser personality person with a lesser personality. Might not be able to handle me. So and in, in our in our in our work life. In our work life we were around a bunch of public radio nerds and I was already coming in as this crazy black guy. So I already had some weirdo advantage versus you fighting for yourself or a goofy black person. Well, I think also another thing is like, okay, I will agree with you on the workplace, like fucking up and taking responsibility mostly because like, I don't have a lot of, ego involved in workplace things and it's ultimately just easier for everybody if the person who fucked up just like admits they fucked up and we can all move on yeah i mean and and, and think about where we work we worked in a place where we did radio shows like you're not gonna get fired just like yeah unless like you really did something that's gonna get you fired yeah i mean <laughs> and and the thing is the thing is for the radio show is it was and most of most of the things that we would argue will be about will be absolutes did you do this on time? What about- was it on time? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess like fuck. I mean, and fucking up in like relationships is also. I don't know. That's kind of harder to. That's for. That's it's for another show. It's, an- it's a whole another show. It's another show. Uh, personal responsibility. Take personal responsibility. Pay all of your money into your health care. Oh, you wanted to buy something else. You have to buy health care. So, and you know, and, and that, that transitions us into this, to this other. Oh, you're welcome. This, this other like thing about fucking up, historical fuck ups, people's perception of who can fuck up and who can't fuck up. I posted something on Facebook last week about Ben Carson and his comments. That's really oddly that it's still in the news. And, and I have a comment about that. And I feel that's just hunkies being hunkies. Where Ben Carson made the comment, Your catchphrase, yeah, honkies being honkies on old black magic of the millennial, where Ben Carson said slaves, black slaves in America were immigrants, and I put on Facebook, Molly, can you can you read what I wrote on Facebook? That's what America is about. Hold on, hold on. Is, hold on, hold on. Is this your Ben Carson impersonation? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was talking with my hands, too. You can't yeah, see that. okay. Your eyes kind of closed, kind of Hannibal. That's what I did. Hannibal, I had Hannibal, my eyes. I'm Hannibal, Hannibal Burrissey in the face. Okay. Yeah. That's what America is about. A land of dreams and opportunity. 
He's so soothing. His voice is so soothing. It is. It's so it's, weird. Honestly, I've never heard a man's voice have so much Calgon take me away in it than Ben Carson. I don't get that reference. Calgon take me away. It's bubble bath. What a millennial. <laughs> in the old days when a woman had to really do it big, and this was back in the women's movement where, where a woman would work a job and come home and be a housewife. And then there was a commercial, Calgon, take me away, where a woman would be in her bubble bath, but she would be in a forest. Okay, so put yourself there and listen to the words of Ben Carson. Yeah. That's what America is about, a land of dreams and opportunities. Hold on, go back to the Ben Carson voice. There were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less. But they, too, had a dream that one day their sons, daughters... (laughs) Grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters might pursue prosperity and happiness in this land. Okay. I got kind of good at the end there. That, that, was, that was nailing it. That part where he's listing is, this is what, okay, first of all, he went off his scripted remarks, which Ben Carson should never, ever do. And let me say and this. As you can tell he was stalling by just listing children's names. <laughs> just lineage. He was just stalling by listing lineage? Yes. <laughs> first of all, fuck those haters. Now that I had you read it to me, oh, people are, <sighs> people are fucking haters, man. And I get it. And I said this on my Facebook post. He's easy pickings. To, to bully. He's, if, if this, if, because Barack Obama said the exact same shit. Obama also referred to slaves as immigrants. Okay, so Barack Obama said, mm-hmm. and perhaps like some of you, these new arrivals might have had some moments of doubt, wondering if they blah, blah, blah. So life in America wasn't always easy. It wasn't always easy for new immigrants. Certainly it wasn't easy for those of African heritage who had not come here voluntarily and yet in their own way were immigrants themselves. There was discrimination and hardship and poverty, but like you, they no doubt found inspiration in all those who had come before them. They were able to muster faith that here in America they might build a better life and give their children something more. Ooh, it's pretty similar. It's exact. It's like Melania similar. It's, first dude, of all. it's the exact <laughs> same thing. Now, I surely, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Okay, so here's the thing. You know this. If Ben Carson were a member of Barack Obama's cabinet or like anybody else's cabinet, no, this would not be a big deal. But it's one more little horrible i was about to say like rotten cheeto but i don't think cheetos go rotten <laughs> one more rotten cheeto on the top of king cheeto you know mm-hmm. but here's the thing i do agree with these like people again liberals are so focused on words instead of actions and that is very frustrating now, here's the thing that Barack Obama did. He put a little nuance on it. A little bit of nuance. Well, in the beginning, in, 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 the, in the beginning, the part he said about slaves. He said. And surely they came. Yes, they he sure, said, yet in their own way were immigrants themselves. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to say yeah. it was off by maybe 8%. You, well, here's, here, here's a central premise of what they're saying. And this, I like, I really wonder because maybe because I just can't imagine did slaves like picture better? Like, 
I guess you do picture a better life for your children. No, you see. But it's also terrifying. There were generations of there was generations of slavery in this country. I know that. But you but but you see what you do see is you see how a white person lives and you're like, man, I wish I could do that. I don't know how it's going to happen in my condition, but I know that. And I don't think and, and Ben Carson did not deny that slavery happened. He did not deny that they were slaves. He just put his own spin on it and was demonized. And I'm going off of black people, too. I don't give a fuck about hunkies at this point. Stupid ass black people were bullying this man. Sure, he works for Donald Trump, your enemy. I get it. I get that you're mad. I get you. But everyone can't be down for Hillary or a Democrat. That's the most lemon, lemoning. What's that? Lemmings? Yeah, lemmings. Yeah. I was calling them lemonies. That's the most lemming shit I've ever think, ever, 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 I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, no, as as you've said before, full disclosure, you feel a need to personally defend Ben Carson as a fellow SDA. As a fellow Seventh-day Adventist, as a fellow uh, educated black person who has his own thoughts. <laughs> because honestly, sometimes Ben Carson says goofy ass shit, but sometimes in the beginning he was saying some real things that was like making sense. Yeah, I I agree. I you know, it just is very uh, you know, power is a uh, in the want of power and the desire for more power once you get some makes you make some compromises in your life, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I don't know. I I just I, I just I just was turned so off by a lot of people just and then you had when I I had how many comments did I have on that Facebook post? Like 168. <laughs> people are passionate right now. Where people, I mean, and, and the thing, here's the thing. Hold on, hold on a second, like, Molly. People, and people are trying to tell me what the fuck a slave was. Nigga, I know what the fuck a slave is. <laughs> These are white people telling me like, well, the difference is slaves were brought here. And like, bitch, I know what the fuck a slave is, nigga. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is funny. That's, that's but crazy. Again, it goes, it just goes like, it goes along with the whole narrative, right? Of like the whole bootstrap, like you're re- back to this, like you're responsible for everything. Like you're poor. It's your fault. Like everything bad that's happening to you is your fault. Who's saying that? I, I, who's saying that? Well, I guess that's not Ben Carson. I'm not trying to put this on Ben Carson. I think that this is another reason like people react so strongly because you have an administration and a ruling party that is just like they like this whole idea. Like I, I've seen this, the phrase like, like, like we live in a culture of victims. We I, honestly, like, honestly, Molly, honestly, you agree. I semi agree with that. Even on the white side and the black side, because for some strange reason, with this Ben Carson thing, it's in my friend Rock Belushi from New York City, the shiny black prince of Harlem, said it's almost like black people want to hold on to that pain for some fucking strange reason. They want to hold on to that pain for some strange reason. And a lot of times, and I can say this as a black thing on this podcast, it's not even poor black people who are given this slave narrative. It's these educated ass blacks with these fancy jobs who are highly educated, who want to keep this slave narrative together. But they're the ones who take their kids out of public schools in the community and put them in the school with the fucking white kids. These are the same people who leave the community and go move in the suburbs because they think their life's going to be better. But they want to hold on to the slave narrative. <laughs> 
If you're really down for the cause, if you really think black lives matter, keep your black kids in a black fucking public school and use your education and your resources to make that school better. People pick on people for words more than ever. And that's definitely Internet culture, like the fact that you mentioned that this was still news. But it's like people are also picking on Ben Carson because he's part of the Trump administration. And, and, and he's and he's that a is weak just link. one co- clown car of fuck ups. Yes. Yes. But, <laughs> like, but, do you th- but hold on. Do you think we've been able to get away with it their whole lives? Let me ask you this, though, do, because Trump fuck ups aren't almost news anymore because he does it every day. Sean Spicer fuck ups aren't news because he brings the news out about Trump fuck ups would happen every day. So Mike Pence really doesn't do anything bad. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, he's he's completely innocent. He, no, he's, he's, he's just hanging out. He just hangs out. He says he always says, <laughs> I, I just hang out. He just says the right thing at the right time. I can't hate on him for anything. No, he's involved in everything. I'm hating on all of them. No, no, hating on all of them, but I'm talking about fuck ups. Cross like, the board. Like lies. Well, dumb shit. Yeah, I mean, and you don't know like which of those fuck ups matters and which of those fuck ups don't. Like, you have fuck ups like these executive orders that are being challenged by state after state after state. Like it's even even if you believe in that ban, it is so sloppy the way it was written and executed. Mm-hmm. The millions of dollars that were lost over that. And I, and I understand that. But the fuck ups that I'm talking about that resonate to where everyone piles on. It seemed like everyone piled on to Ben Carson. It seems like everyone piled on to Betsy DeVos when she said, uh, tried to give a shout out to historical black colleges and then didn't realize, <laughs> bitch, that was because of segregation. So, uh, so it's, you know, it, se- I, I it just seems like, like I can't feel bad. I, I don't feel bad at all. Speaking of like my bleeding heart or humanism, though, if you are a government official, you do not get the excuse of like, oh, my feelings. Yeah. The end. Like, you, you don't get that excuse of being piled on. Like, you're a public servant. Suck it up. Yeah. Well, I, all right. How about this, Molly, to, to get us clean into <laughs> See, I'm all right. They, thank you for just, like, cleanly marking that up on the scoreboard. <laughs> you're right. Now, let, let, yeah, let, let, let's transition into historical fuck-ups and, and to someone, to everyone's golden boy, Barack Obama, who can do no wrong. He can walk on water. Yeah, did he make any? He didn't have. Everybody always says he's scandal free. No scandal. Well, no, this is not a Obama. scandal, but I'm going to tell you this is a fuck up. Okay? Oh, you, you've identified, I've identified a Barack Obama, a Barack fuck, Obama up. fuck up. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, there's some. Um... The, well, yeah, I mean, if we can go to the deportions, drone strikes, blah, 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 Syria. Here's a real fuck up for Barack Obama that no one wants to pile on their beautiful golden boy, Barack Obama. When he embraced the name Obamacare for the Affordable Health Care Act, that was a fuck up that we are paying for right now. The fact yeah, I wonder the, if he the, did kind of do that in the moment. No, too. he did. I, I remember this press conference. He's like, OK, well, let's just call it Obamacare. And this is during the I think this is during the second reelection campaign. They kept saying, and he was like, no, this is not Obamacare. This is not something, this is for the American people. And he was like, you know what? Fine, let's just call it Obamacare. And ever since then, everyone 
called it Obamacare. The Republicans got more charged up to defeat it. Honestly, if this was called uh, NASCAR healthcare, or if this was called, <laughs> you know, Band-Aid or something, you know. Frozen Elsa care. Whatever. Anything besides that man's name that activates stupid ass people's heart. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's true. It's proven. It's like if you called it anything else, people would not have a problem with it. People just there's a joke uh, that that somebody did where this racist was on the operating table and he was like, get that Obamacare blood out of me. Like, it, I think people are that fucking stupid. <laughs> that was a joke or a real story. I don't think that was a real story. Okay, but you don't have you didn't have to worry. I mean, I guess it could always happen. You didn't have to worry about an Obama fuck up like launching a war or something in the way that a Trump fuck up creates chaos like that executive order or. Yeah, I mean, it's like things like I was you know do, doing my research. And shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this, but like basically the Berlin Wall got knocked down in a day because like some job neck was like like just like talked off the cuff at the pre- at a press conference and said like these new travel restrictions were being lifted immediately and people like swarmed the wall within a couple hours and they weren't ready and they weren't ready i mean they could have like basically i mean like democracy comes down to like whether the military will fire on civilians or not yeah which the east german army didn't do well, so, well like- you know I, I i remember when um i was stationed in berlin and um well when was that 40 43 44 yeah ugh. <laughs> 40 ugh. i can't remember and old checkpoint charlie that's what they called it and uh if you got caught on there bop, 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 you would get shot it's a great story <laughs> That's a great trick. Oh, but this is funny that like I was just like, you know, Googling mistakes because I'm a real millennial. Mm-hmm. And um I found this thing. It was like Business Insider did costliest mistakes. And it's like these mergers, the Exxon spill. But like on the same par of that stuff was like high profile divorces, like it being a mistake that Tiger Woods like slept around. His was the costliest. How much was Tiger Woods? How much did he lose? Um, well, like his divorce settlement, which was in the hundreds of millions, he also like got dropped temporarily from sponsorships, but more importantly, lost stock options. Wow. So estimates, which are probably overboard, yeah. but estimates were like at 12 billion, but potentially but like still, over his lifetime. But he's still loaded. So who cares? Yeah, he's okay. Tiger's Okay. <laughs> All right, so that is Old Black Magic and the Millennial. You guys can find us on iTunes now. Just type in Old Black Magic and the Millennial or search Brian Babylon or Molly Adams, and it'll pop right up. Yeah, Millennial has three L's in it. Really? Yeah. Feel free to write a review. No, Molly, no, no. Please write a review. We need it. Five stars. Five stars only. Yeah. Five stars only. And Facebook.com slash OBM ATM. Give us a message. Yep. And we will see you guys next week on All Black Magic and the Millennial. I'm Brian Babylon. Molly Adams. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.